All right, this morning I want to speak on our fourth harvest law, and I want to finish up the series that we've been on talking about God's harvest laws. And, and I, I hope that you have enjoyed them. I hope you've been challenged by the harvest laws uh, that God has established. Uh, because when God puts a law together, He lives by the laws that He establishes. And it's important that we recognize that God is not above His own laws. And if God's not above his laws, then certainly I need to submit to his laws as well. And when I do so, I recognize that I'm doing so for my own good, uh, never for my detriment, never for my demise will I ever find myself if I'm submitting properly to God's laws. And uh, that doesn't mean that we, we still live in an age of grace. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going back to Old Testament laws when I say that. Maybe you could better, maybe a better word for laws would be principles if you stumble over the word law, uh, but godly principles are in place here. Um, this fourth law we're talking about today is the law of interval. And this law is probably the glue that holds the rest of them together. This is the one that complements them all, the law of interval. Um, God always works in an orderly fashion. He never contradicts himself. Even though there may be times in your life where you may feel chaotic you may feel that God is, you're stepping backwards for whatever reason. Understand that God is still in this situation and his laws are still in effect. He never works, he never panics in an area of, of confusion because he still has the plan to get his purpose for those that love him, his purpose to fruition. So godly laws still are working, even though it may appear to be confusing sometimes in your life. And sometimes it's important that we say that because life doesn't always go the way we want it, does it? Sometimes we get thrown a curveball every once in a while and we wonder if, if God is still there. Well, let me just tell you that he is there and his laws are still in effect. And so we still need to understand that and still work under those laws. Just to recap the first, four, the first three laws, the first principle says, I reap only if I sow. The second principle says, I reap or harvest in like kind that I sow or that I plant. In other words, if I plant corn, I'm going to get corn. The third principle says, I reap more than I sow. That means that if I plant one kernel, I'm going to get a re multiple kernels in return. It doesn't make sense if I plant one and only harvest one. There is no future if there is no increase. So the law of increase says you plant one corn kernel and you will reap many, many more. Okay? And now the fourth principle, the one that brings them all together, is this one called interval. And this is probably the toughest one for most of us because it has the issue of time associated with it time, interval, consistency of commitment, and so forth. So um, we understand that as we plant, we will allow the first three principles to work as we work in and allow the fourth principle of interval to have purpose in our life. Uh, the farmer, going back to his example, he understands the growing process. He understands that it takes time for the kernel that he planted to grow. It would be unrealistic if the farmer planted a field today and tomorrow went out to harvest it. It wouldn't make any sense. We would look at that farmer as being insane to think that he plants the corn today and gets the harvester out tomorrow. 
Rather, he understands that it takes time. And so what it does is that when we understand that it, when it takes time for God's purposes and his harvest laws to take effect, we don't panic then when we go out tomorrow and not see a corn stalk where we planted a corn kernel. We understand that it takes time for that kernel to germinate, that, that, that kernel then to sprout, for a corn stalk to grow, for ears to come off it, for the tassels to form, for the, all the things that have to happen takes weeks and months to do. And in this process, the farmer, understand this part, the farmer in this is not trying to be a farmer. Rather, he is committed to be a farmer, even though he may not see the harvest coming tomorrow. There's going to be more to that. You'll get that a little bit later, I hope, that we don't try to be Christians. We're committed to be a Christian, even though we may not see the harvest coming in our life today. Too many of us think that because once I become a Christian, automatically things must happen quickly now, and all of a sudden my life must turn around quickly now because I've accepted Jesus in my life. That's not the law of interval. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that. So the, really this law has two main directives that I want to talk about this morning, and both of them are vitally important to all of God's harvest laws coming into effect. The first one is time, and the second one is commitment to consistency. Time and commitment to consistency. So let's talk about time, first of all. When one thinks of the word interval, let's go back and look at the definition. Interval means a intervening period of time. Other words that can be translated or can be put as a synonym to interval would be intermission, pause, recess, an interlude, interim. And here's the word, the big four-letter word we all hate, and that is the word wait. Okay, so you could say that the law of interval really is the law of waiting. I don't like to wait. Do you? But that is the fourth law of the harvest. So in this context, we need to look at that and understand that, that the different things that we plant have different times to come to harvest. Um, some seeds that we plant take longer to grow than other seeds. You may have a fast-growing plant that would you plant it today in just a matter of days, you're seeing some progress. There may be some other seeds that you plant and it may take a long, long time. Look at an oak tree, for example. How long does it take for an oak tree to come to maturity versus how long does it take for a little spring flower that you can almost see it grow right before your eyes? So there are different times related to different seeds and it's important that we don't panic. We don't, we don't think that God is abandon us. We don't think that God has left us in this moment of sowing and reaping when I'm doing all the right things. But the Lord says, wait, wait. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 10 is a passage we're going to talk about today in, as we move through this. And this is one that gives us stern warning, gives us good encouragement, and it gives us good instruction. To do Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 10. It starts off pretty harsh. It starts off with a do not. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh 
from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Now, I know we've talked about this verses in our other context of the other, um, other principles, but I think it's important that we touch on it again because Paul is very direct here with the Galatians church, and he comes right at the beginning and he says, Do not be deceived. Paul had to be direct here. God cannot be mocked. When, when, when you read that, what does that bring to mind? Is God serious here, or is God playing here? I, I look at it as God is pretty serious about what's coming next. Do not be deceived, because you know how quickly and how easily we can become deceived. There must have been a reason here that Paul had to go here with the, the deception part. You know, if we go back a few thousand years we see a really good example of deception happening in the Garden of Eden. And things, when things were perfect, there was no want. There was no need that Adam and Eve did not have. But yet, deception had a way of sneaking in, even in the good times of life. And Eve was deceived. And so, obviously, we have a track record as the human race of deception being a part of our life. So for Paul to say, do not be deceived, he says it for good purpose, for good reason. He's just not picking that word to say because he sees it as a trend in humanity that we can become deceived in the good part of life and in the bad part of life. And he says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. In other words, what God puts in place, no mere mortal is going to change. Nobody's going to come and change God's mind when God says, this is my law. This is my principle. I don't care what I feel about it. I don't care what you feel about it. God cannot be mocked. His laws are his laws, and they're in place, and they're not going to change. So let's not argue that fact. You know, wouldn't it be interesting to play a little what-if game and say, you know, what if Adam and Eve wouldn't have been deceived? What if Adam would have done a better job communicating to Eve about the apple. Because we often blame Eve, but it's really not Eve's fault. It's really Adam's fault. Because God spoke to Adam, and Adam was supposed to instruct his wife about the fruit. And obviously Adam didn't get the message across well enough. What would have happened if they wouldn't have? You think about that. That's a good, that's a good thing to think about when you're riding your bike or when you're out doing something. What would have happened? That's not the point of this message. That's something you can talk about, you can think about it on your own. But it's fun to think about things like that sometimes. Let's go back to the topic of interval and what this passage tells us. We see in verse 9 it says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, there's that word, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. See, God is giving us much needed encouragement here because he's telling us that even though in your wearisome times, even in the tough times in life, even when you are so much investing, he's saying don't give up, don't worry. 
even in your tiredness in doing good, when the proper time is fulfilled, you will receive the harvest. And, you know, this isn't something that's easy for us to do sometimes. It's difficult. I know it's difficult to keep on keeping on when things are going against us, even when you are doing all the right things and things just don't seem to be lining up for you. Anybody here can give me a witness on that? Anybody here understand what that feels like to, to know that I'm doing what God has asked me to do, I'm living by godly principles, I'm keeping on, keeping on, but yet my life is still hard. Well, Paul says, let us not become weary in doing good, for that the proper time will, we will reap a harvest, so don't give up. What a positive encouragement there is. It's so much so much more important because, you know, we live in a world that is downgrading and berating and bad-talking and critical and criticizing the Christian church and criticizing the things we do, criticizing so much, and we live in that. And, and Paul's saying, you know what, I know you're going to go through that, but don't become weary in that. Don't lose the patience that you need to have as this law of interval takes place. So going back to our farmer example this morning, how important the, the patience is, if the pace, you know, here's the deal. The, the farmer spends a lot of time and effort in preparing to plant the seed in the first place. He has to prepare the soil. He's got to fertilize it. He's got to get it turned up. He's got to get the rocks out of the field. He's got to get old, last year's harvest out of the field. He's, he's got to prepare the soil. And then after, after he prepares the soil, he has to plant the seed. And it, it takes effort and work to plant the seed. You want to have nice straight cornrows so that you, when you harvest them, you're harvesting straight cornrows. You don't want to be helter-skelter. So it takes work. There's a lot, of, a lot of eventful planning that has to happen. After he prepares the soil, after he plows it up, after he puts the seed in it, then what does he do? He waits. He waits. He does nothing. And this is where many of us lose it because we think that we have to be the person or the entity or the force to make things change. But God says, you know, if you guys will obey my laws, if you'll do the proper preparation, if you'll do the, plant, the proper planting, and this is where I want to encourage parents this morning. Parents, as you raise your children and as you feed into your children and as you put godly seed into their life, there comes a time where you have to turn them loose. And you have to say, okay, God, I've planted the seed. It's your field. Now what he's saying to you is back off and wait. Wait. I'm a dad. I have four children. I know how difficult it is not to stay in the middle of their lives trying to fix all their problems. And the more I fix their problems, the more really what I'm doing is that I'm getting between the hammer and the anvil. Understand God loves your child more than you do. He loves your children. He wants your children to come to plan that he has for them more than you do. Can you trust him? Can you trust him? That's a hard one, isn't it? Sometimes I think I have to be the, get, the one getting in the middle. I have to go and fix my son's problem or my daughter's problem. And God's saying, you know, no, they're planted in my soil. Would you leave them alone and let nature take care of itself? Would you just back off and let them go? That doesn't mean you don't pray for them. 
That doesn't mean the farmer's not out there watching the weather, you know, praying for rain, praying for good weather conditions that are going to allow the seed to grow. No, you pray for your child. You still do everything you can do, but you just have to let your hands off them a little bit when they get to that age. That's a real encouragement for us this morning for those that have children that aren't living exactly the way we think they should be. Know that God knows too and that he's concerned about them. Jesus speaks in the book of Mark in a parable about the same topic. He says in Mark chapter 4, verses 26 and 29, he says this, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed in the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces the grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full, full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. What's so important about this principle here is that when we plant the seed, we don't need to understand how it grows. I don't understand it. I mean, I've seen fast photography of corn plants coming up to the ground and you know you've seen them all sprout and grow up and in a matter of five seconds it's a full plant but it, i don't understand that where does the life come from that seed that was once dead or dormant to prepare a seed for growth to be a seed potato for example there's a process to prepare the potato to be planted it almost has to, it has to die and as you plant the seed somehow, somewhere, the life generates in that seed. And that's what God is saying in this parable. That's what Jesus is saying. He said, the farmer doesn't have to worry about it. He goes to bed. And lets nature, lets God do its work. And so should we sometimes. And that we want to sometimes intervene too quickly. And we want to get in and we want to um, help God in the process. Let me tell you, you can't help God in some of these things. It's better off to sit back and let him do the work and you go to bed. And, and you just go about your business. Continuing to do good, but go about your business and let God deal with the harvest. God is never in a hurry. Wow, he's never. Do you know that? Do you know that God is never in a hurry? Isn't that an amazing concept? Are you ever in a hurry? Were you hurried to get to church this morning on time? Well, you know, God plans better than you do. <laughs> He's never in a hurry. God is time, and time is God. He's the maker of it. And, and you know, when we can think of that, when, when God is never in a hurry, he always has it planned out. Man, that's a, that's a topic I just can't get my, my head around that one. I just can't. But when I know that God knows the end from the beginning, and he knows everything in between, and I know that I just have to learn to trust this God that knows this, that, takes, that gives me peace. It gives me assurance helps me not to panic in the times that I would tend to panic and knowing that God has everything in control. Remember, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, there's that word, at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And, and here's the thing, guys, listen, when the harvest happens, it's going to happen fast. Now, I can think about harvesting in the, in, in the form of the rapture, in the form of a death. When, it, when your time comes to fruition, when your time on earth ends, whether it's in a corporate rapture or it comes in your personal death, at that time, it's going to overwhelm you. 
it's going to be an amazing process. Something that we don't fear. If you're a Christian, do not fear that. If you've got one foot in the world and one foot in church, fear that. If you're not living right for Christ, fear that. But if you're a Christian, if you're following Jesus, if, you're, if your love is, is pure for Him, doing the best that you can, you're not perfect, but if you're loving Christ with all your heart, then that is a time of no fear. It is a time of, of expectation of harvest. And when that comes, it's going to be an awesome day. When the harvest comes, when the farmer finally gets the harvest in, he's got to take a sigh of relief to think it's done. My silo is full. My corn crib is full. I have product. I have things to feed my crops or my feed my animals. There's got to be a sigh of relief. Imagine what that's going to be like for the Christian someday. Wow. makes me encouraged. It brings hope in me. It gives me encouragement. The second thing I want to talk about today is lifestyle of commitment and consistency. Time is one factor. The second is lifestyle of commitment and consistency. Verse 10 says, Therefore, as we have every opportunity, let us, not, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. The key word here in this verse is opportunity. As we have opportunity, the law of interval occurs over time and in multiple opportunities, meaning more than one sowing event. This passage indicates that we will have multiple times in our life to sow into godly principles. See, as the farmer planted the seed, he plants individual seeds. He doesn't plant the same seed over and over. He doesn't plant one kernel and then tomorrow go dig up that kernel to replant it and then replant that same kernel the next day. No, he plants different seeds. Multiple opportunities come along your way that you have to keep investing in as opportunities present themselves. He doesn't plant the same seed over. That would be destructive. That would destroy the harvest because that seed would never have a chance to germinate and grow. It would never would multiply. You would be destroying the God's harvest laws because that seed has to stay where it's at. Interval in that means that he has to develop a consistency in his sowing. And here's the deal. If, if you want diversity in your life, if that farmer wants to have corn, carrots, cucumbers, other things to take to markets, then he has to plant individual seeds of different character, different type. So do we. And this is kind of where the desert traveler comes in. Remember we read that story, and I'm not reading it today, but there was a desert traveler with a well. He had, to go to, he had to go to the pump and had to prime the well every time. See, if he was to go along, understand as this desert traveler is traveling through the desert or his life, he's going to come on multiple wells. He's going to, be, he's going to two or three days, and his canteen is probably dry. He's probably thirsty again because he's used up all his resources. He's going to come up and there's going to be another well. The same sign is going to be there. The same jar of water is going to be there in a different location, a different opportunity, but, the, but it's still going to be instructed to pour the water in the well, let the water prime the pump, and then pump and you'll have all the fresh water you can drink. All right. Now, what, happened if, what would happen if this desert traveler got to the next well two or three days later, really, really thirsty again, sees the same thing over, and he says, you know what, I already did this once. I already dumped the water one time in the pump. I don't need to do it again. And he just takes the glass of water and drinks it and then starts pumping the well. What's going to happen? He's not going to have any more water because he's not following the principles of consistency 
in the interval. He's not continuing to do good. He's not following the instructions. I don't care how many times, how many wells he comes against, he must continue to follow the instructions. And every time he gets to a water or a well with a jar of water, pour the water, invest the water into the pump so that you'll have future, so that you'll have increase, so that the harvest laws will continue to, to happen. You can't say, I've done it one time, therefore I don't need to do it again. How many times in our spiritual life do we do that? I was saved when I was 12 years old. I don't need to get saved again. I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I spoke in tongues when I was 12 years. I don't need to do it again. I'm 54 years old. I did it once. That's not the law of interval. law of interval says do it consistently over and over. Continue to invest myself. Continue to give in the offering. Continue to give of yourself. Continue to say, you know, I did a good deed three years ago. I told my wife I loved her the day we married her, and when I ever stop, I'll tell her then. I'll tell her, you know, if I ever change my mind, I'll tell her that I don't love her. No, you tell your wife every day. Well, you should tell your wife. I'm glad my wife isn't in here right now. You should tell your wife every day that you love her, not just when it changes. <laughs> See, that, that you, what are you sowing here when you do that? If I tell my wife I love her every day, I'm sowing love, and I should reap a harvest of love in return. So it's important that we understand that. How do we bring that into our spiritual life today? Well, we have many opportunities as Christians to invest ourselves, both with our time and our resources. And we need to continue to do that on a regular basis. It's not good enough for a Christian man to say that I did something once and therefore, God, it's going to carry me through. That's not good enough. Just recognize it. There's not, a, there's not a philosophy here that says I can do something so good at one time and never have to continue to invest in it. That's not what this is about. No different than a farmer planting one seed over and over again. So the farmer, here it is, the farmer isn't trying to be a farmer. The farmer is committed to being a farmer. A Christian is not trying to be a Christian. A Christian is committed to being a Christian. So many times people have said, I tried that one time. I tried it and it didn't work for me. Try it again. Plan it again. Work at it again. You can't say that I did it one time and it didn't work or that it worked. We have to keep working. We have to keep putting ourselves into it. We have to keep committing ourselves. Luke 14:33 says it this way, in the same way those of who those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be, cannot be my disciples. This is a law of interval. You have to continue to give up all that you have for Christ. Every day, over and over again. Keep pouring the water in the pump. Keep siphoning, keep priming the pump. You know, there are some things that we just don't have control over. One of the things that, that the farmer doesn't have control over is the timing interval. He cannot increase the rate of harvest. There's nothing he can do to make that harvest faster. But what he does control is what he plants. What he does control is how many seeds he plants over this interval of time. We, as Christians, there's a lot of things that we just can't control in our lives. But what I can control is my attitude toward giving of myself, of my resources knowing that God is my provider, knowing that I am just a steward, knowing that I am not trying at Christianity, knowing that I'm committed to Christianity, I control my effort. 
I control the things that I want to continue to put into it, whether I feel like it or not. We live our life too much in the world corporately by our feelings. I don't feel like getting up this morning. I don't feel like having a good diet. I don't feel like exercising. I don't feel like it. When I let my life control, my, when I'm controlled by my feelings, I'm going to be a fat, lazy man. And I'm not going to have anything to show for the rest of my life. Because if I don't have some persistence and some diligence, and if I don't have some commitment in my life, if I live my life by my feelings, I don't have much of a future. So when we plan, when we do understand that there are things we need to invest ourselves in, whether I feel like it or not, that gives me the purpose, that gives me the assurance that God's God's harvest laws are going to come to pass because that's all he's asking of you. He's not asking you to figure it out. He's not asking you to make it happen. He's just asking for your commitment. Just continue to do good. Continue to invest yourself, and I'll make the harvest come, the Lord says. I'm the one that creates the harvest, not you. So there, you just all we do is keep on working. We just keep on persisting. We just keep doing on. We just keep, keep moving forward. What we don't control is the timing, and that's the thing I think that we really miss out on because we really think that if it doesn't happen when I think it should, that God isn't doing his job. Well, shame on you. Shame on me for thinking that. Who am I, a mere mortal, to tell God that he's not doing his job when I don't know what he's doing? (laughs) Seriously, I don't understand how that seed grows. I can't go to him and say, God, would you hurry it up? You're too slow. Remember, God's never in a hurry. He doesn't have to be. Therefore, I shouldn't have to be either. I just need to be consistently committed to being a Christian man and woman. And I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there for my brothers and my sisters. I'm going to be there for my church. I'm going to be there for my my family. I'm going to be there and just keep doing good. And as I do good, God is faithful to bring the harvest in the time that he puts forth. Amen? So why is it so hard? What do we do in the meantime? Verse 19 of... uh, 1 Peter chapter 4 says this. It says, So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Continue to do good. I don't ever see in God's word an affirmation for us to quit. I, I don't ever see him to say it's time just to roll over and give up, guys. It's rollover time and let, the, uh, let time just take care of itself. No, he says continue to, go, to do good. So as we commit ourselves to God, our faithful creator, and as we do good, and as we basically um, allow his timing and allow him to be in control of the timing, all I'm really responsible for is my effort and my attitude. How many here this morning have ever trained for a race? I know you have, Jason. You're a track star. You ride bike. How many here have ever um, set a goal to lose weight? Anybody here tried to lose weight? Anybody here ever completed a se- semester or more in school? Anybody committed it? Yeah, all right. We've got school workers here. How many have ever tried to read the Bible through? Okay. Now, in all of those things... 
for you to be successful at any of those things, was it good enough just to try or did you have to commit to the end result? You had to commit to the end result. You can't say, all right, I'm going re- to read the Bible and because I don't read it in one day, I'm going to quit. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. The Bible is too big of a book to read in one day. I don't care how fast of a reader you are. I'm going to train to run a marathon. And because I can't run the marathon in this, the, the next day, I'm going to quit. Uh, I know it takes time and commitment. And that's all God is asking for us. Just will you lose weight over time? It's not even healthy for you to lose a bunch of weight in, instantly. Even if you could lose 20 pounds in a day, it was not healthy for you. Do you not understand that God's plan has health benefits to it as well? That he says, I want to do things for you over time. And when these, these things happen over time, trust me that I have your best interest in mind. Paul said he had a need in his life. He had, he had, a, he had a thorn in his flesh. He prayed three times that that thorn would be removed, and it never was removed. What do you think it made Paul feel like? What does it make you feel like? God says, oh, Paul, my grace is sufficient. Over time, Paul, that thorn will be removed, but it's up to me. Now, that time may be eternal. That time may not be till Paul's death, because apparently Paul was never healed of, those, of, that, of that thorn in the flesh. Whatever it was, we don't know what it was. But it didn't shake his faith. He didn't say, well, then, God, I quit. If you're not going to take care of me now, I quit. No, Paul had a better eternal perspective on things. And so should we have a proper eternal perspective on things, that God's timing is always right. It's always right. The interval of time says that I will bring the harvest in in my timing, says the Lord, and it will be good and it will be right for you. And in the meantime, while you're doing that four-letter word, while you're waiting, keep doing good. Keep praying. Keep reading the word. Keep witnessing. Keep being a consistent person. Keep coming to church. Keep being a good employee on your job. Keep being faithful. And as you do that, God will bring the harvest law. So, so as we conclude this, Jackie, if you would come up. As we wrap up this series on God's harvest law, uh, the challenge I would hope that you would leave this with is that you would leave it with a commitment in your life to do good regardless of how you feel. Regardless about what you think. Regardless of your circumstances. Regardless of how quickly maybe God's working in your life according to your definition of interval. I would encourage you this morning to allow godly interval, God's time, God's definition of time to be effective in your life. And I will go as far as to promise you that God will meet your needs. He will meet your needs. Uh, You may have wants, but he will meet your needs. He will not allow you to go begging bread if you continue faithfully living according to his principles, according to his harvest laws. And those harvest laws are investment. You reap only if you sow. And don't be misled here because if you're not buying into this, if you're saying, well, Mike, that really sounds good, but I don't really believe that, what you're really doing is that you're sowing to unbelief. 
And what you're going to do is that you're going to reap unbelief. Because whether you believe me or not this morning, these harvest laws are established as just as sure as gravity is established. You cannot believe in gravity and you're still not going to jump 10 feet. I don't care what you feel about it. These harvest laws are true and they're accurate and they're real. And whether you want to believe them or not, if you don't believe them, what, you're t- what I'm telling you in love is that you're sowing unbelief and you're sowing to the flesh and you're going to reap of the flesh and you're going to reap in unbelief. And when it comes to your harvest day, you will be harvested someday. You will be harvested someday. You just don't know where you're going to go with the harvest. All right? So law of investment, you have to sow. Identity, you reap what you sow. Are you sowing seeds that you really want to grow? Or are you seeing seeds of wild oats? Are you sowing, like we said a couple weeks ago, are you sowing your seeds that you're praying today that you want crop failure for because you don't really want them to germinate because if they gave you what you sowed, it would be for your destruction. What's your identity? What are you sowing into? And then do you understand that you will reap more than you sow and that what you put into today, you're going to get a bunch of it later. So what do you want later? You want a bunch of love? Sow love. You want a bunch of peace? Sow peace. You want a bunch of discord? You want a bunch of strife? Sow discord, sow strife, and you get a bunch of it. And then finally, the law of interval says it takes time and it takes commitment a life of consistency and commitment. Are you, are you this morning a committed Christian? As your life, would you declare yourself this morning to be a committed Christian? Nobody can answer that besides you. Well, God can. God will be the ultimate judge of our hearts. But let me ask you the question this morning. As you close your eyes, would you just ask yourself the question? Am I truly a committed follower of Christ? See, Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. He's not working all things together for those that He loves. Hear me. He's not calling this together for those that He loves because He loves all people. He's saying that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, that reflect His love back to Him. So this morning, are you really loving Christ? Today is the day to begin. If you're not, if you're struggling in this, in this idea, I want to give you an opportunity this morning to say, yes, today is the day that I want to start. Like we talked about earlier this morning, let the past be the past. God loves us. He wants the future to be the future. So this morning, as, as every eye is closed, I want to ask you the question, as you are, have been thinking about this, if you feel in your heart this morning, all eyes closed, please, no one looking around. This is such a serious time. This is between God and you. If you are feeling that you are right with the Lord, and if the Lord was to come back today, you would be called in the rapture. Would you raise your hand? Would you show me those that know for sure, that you know for sure that the Lord has called you and that you have received Him? It doesn't mean you've been perfect. It just means you're saved. It means you're forgiven. If that's assurance in your heart, 
Okay, now there's a number of hands that didn't go up. So for those hands that didn't go up, let me ask you the question. Do you want to have that assurance in your life? Do you want to be sowing and reaping properly? You know you can, right? That little, that little thing that's going on in your heart right now that's giving you that angst, that turmoil in your stomach right now, that, that, that anxiety right now, you know what that is? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit saying, yeah, I want you. I love you. There's also a little thing going in your brain to say, don't listen to that. Don't listen to that. Just get out of this building as quick as you can. Now, let me ask you a question this morning. Who are you listening to this morning? I want to ask another question now this morning. For those that couldn't raise your hand, again, all eyes are closed, please. For those that couldn't raise your hand, do you want to this morning? Do you want to? Do you want to start today? Do you want to start planting harvest seeds that are going to be fruitful, that are going to give you eternal life? If you want to this morning, would you raise your hand and just show the Lord? I see that hand. I see that hand. Amen. That's good. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, I am so thankful, Lord, that you are consistent in your laws. I'm so glad, Father, that you don't play favorites. That you don't have laws for some people and different laws for other people. God, I thank you for your consistency. I thank you, Lord, that as I listen and as I read the instructions on a daily basis, which is God's word, or for that desert traveler, for that, that sign by pouring the water in the pump, that as we do the things that are obediently investing, God, that you are faithful and that you are consistent in the sowing and the reaping process. Father, for those this morning that raised your hand that said they'd want to start today, I pray, Father, that you would give them the ability and the desire to do so. I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would go to them and give them the ability to understand that you love them and that you are forgiving them even this moment as we speak. And it's so important, Father, that we do not let the devil speak lies into our hearts. Devil, you will not be allowed to pluck the seed that has been planted in the hearts of these people today by the power of Jesus Christ. We are claiming these people today. We are covering them with a covering of prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing the song that Jackie's playing. And, and uh, I just want to have an opportunity for those that raised your hands. Either you raised your hands because you are assured or you raised your hand because you want to be sure. I want to open the altars this morning. If you want to come up and be prayed for and to pray, I will be here and others will as well. Let's sing this song. And I just want to open the altars. Either way, that way nobody knows what you raised your hand for. But I want you to know that it's important that you make, an, that, that you make a declaration of this. Amen. Let's pray. Let's sing the song and be obedient to the Lord in Jesus' name. This is my desire.
that raised your hand this morning that want to start today, it's really important that you go to someone, very important that you go to someone and help them cover the seed with you with good soil. You need a discipler. If it's me, it's me. If it's someone else in this body, find somebody this morning and and tell them what happened in your life today. Tell them and declare to to them and to, to the enemy that you have planted a seed of salvation in your life and then let it take root so important that we do that. Father, we thank you for this day today. God, we rejoice in you. God, thank you for the assurance that we have that we are that we are saved and we are sanctified and being daily sanctified and that we are on a road to heaven. And Lord, for those of us that just have that assurance, we thank you for that. God, I just pray that you continue to strengthen us throughout our week as we go. Lord, help us to continue to be mindful of the seeds and the harvest. I pray this in your blessed name. And for those that started new today, God, I pray for them. I pray for an increase. I pray for an identity. I pray in Jesus' name a blessing of time in their hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Be blessed this morning as you go.